Hi, this is Will Page, co-presenter of the podcast Bubble Trouble with Richard Kramer, the former chief economist at Spotify and the author of Tarzan Economics. You're listening to Your Morning Coffee podcast with my friends Jay Gilbert and Mike Etcher. Weekly music news for the new music business. For music business worldwide, TikTok strikes partnership with Spotify, Apple Music, and Amazon Music to link app directly to music streaming services. And from Billboard, Spotify plans to charge for fraud. How it works and who it affects the most. And from Variety, YouTube to require creators to flag AI-generated content. We'll add new ways to request removal of deep fakes, including music videos that mimic an artist's voice. My goodness, Jay, that is a very long intro to that story, but long man, headline, we are yeah. covering a lot of stuff, and I mean, things are moving so fast, and we are glad you're here, and it's episode 171, and we're going to start the show right about, well, now. Stand by for transmission. This is London Calling. Wake up! Your morning coffee, the weekly music news for the new music business. It's the highly curated, agitated, advocated, moderated, and liberated digital music information that you need to know. We are your digital music authority. And now, from our studios in Hollywood, California, here's your hosts, Jay Gilbert and Mike Etchart. Good to see you, Brother Jay, on a Saturday. We are hanging Ah, out. Yes. Chatting. For us a long, a good long while. <laughs> yes, and almost an hour. Yeah, as usual. Um, what a fun week this week. You know, I was in Nashville for uh, for business. That was awesome. We got back. Um, you and I had a really great conversation uh, with Will Page, um, which mm-hmm. I'm really excited uh, for our listeners to hear. We're going to drop that as a special uh, bonus episode, and it's really based on this article that was in your morning coffee last week. And the headline was, it's official, music's a $40 billion business, global value of music copyright ramps up 14% to $41.5 billion in 2022. And it was such a great piece, not just to read, but to look at. And we had such a great conversation with our friend, Will Page. Well, and he talked a lot about why that's important besides the obvious chest beating and, you know, kind of, yeah, things are like yeah. that. But it is, you know, there are some very real um, reasons why that's important. And so we, he talked a lot about that. And it's just always great to have him. Like, he's got such a great sense of humor, A. Eh? And of course, he's a real economist. And, yeah. you know, this is... Uh, 
there's just so many things that we kind of read about and we, we see headlines and then to have him kind of dig deep and, and, and talk about how he kind of comes up with all this, all these projections, not projections of all these numbers. It's fascinating. It is really fascinating. And we're looking forward to getting it out to, to everyone. Yeah. Everyone who listens. So watch your feed for that special episode with uh, Will Page. This is our, our second um, sit down uh, with Will and it is phenomenal. Um, another uh, conversation that's coming up that I wanted to just tip everybody off to, um, we're going to be speaking with Bobby Osinski. He's got a new mm-hmm. book. He's written, I don't know, 25 books on music. But um, the new book is The Musician's AI Handbook. Um, I just got a, a copy of it yesterday and started looking through it. Oh, my goodness. It is going to be a great conversation that we're going to have about machine learning, artificial intelligence, everything you need to know about AI and music. Well, and of course, that includes promoting and things like that. It's not just music creation, but boy, there's a lot of stuff to cover. And Bobby has this, he, like you were saying to me earlier before we hit record, you know, he's he checks every single thing out, every single product. So he knows what's going on and it's really going to be great to, to hang out and and check that out. Yeah. Very exciting. We'll get to, uh, we'll get to benefit from that. And then, um, I don't know if you caught this last week, um, our friends over at Hypebot, thank you, Bruce, um, ran a story. Well, I actually wrote it, but it's based on a release planner. Um, and Mm -hmm. we've had this conversation. So there's only a a couple of paragraphs here that I wrote and I just want to sort of tee it up. He talks, he talks about, you know, our collaboration together, which is really cool. And then um, he says, I'll let Jay take it from here. And I sort of set up this, this document that I share with people and it's on, I think version 25 or something. It's constantly being updated and it's called a release planner. So a few years ago, I was at a label meeting where the product manager unveiled a marketing plan for an upcoming release. It was beautiful, thorough, innovative, it was also largely theater. After that team meeting, it was never referred to again, not once. So I gathered up as many marketing plans as I could get my hands on from major labels, indies, even a few DIY friends. And I discovered that re- regardless of genre or career level, they were all surprisingly similar. All of them had the usual things like release cadence, goals, narrative, creative, PR, tour, etc. Some were a bit more cutting edge, but new tools and tactics and platforms have changed since you began reading this paragraph. So I decided to break down the elements of those marketing plans into a high level document. I simply call a release planner. It looks like a form begging to be filled out, but it's not. It's simply a guide for team meetings and calls. So the conversation takes place. Everyone is clear on their roles and responsibilities and literally on the same page. And I end it by saying, feel free to take from it, add to it, make it your own. So that's in uh, Hypebot this last week. It's in your morning coffee this last week. So if you're involved in setting up uh, releases with artists, I think you might find it really useful. But I would just uh, say one last time, it's it looks like a form to be filled out, but it's really not. It's really something to help you plan uh, your release cycle. 
Wow, good work, man. And uh, great for HypeBot for, for recognizing that and uh, putting it out. Very cool. And you've had a bunch of conversations this week with lots of people that we're going to share actually coming up in this show. It's been fun, isn't it? When you, when, yeah. And, 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 and we're, it's ramping up, man. We, we, these conversations, these audio drops, we get a, a lot of good stuff. You get a lot of good stuff. So it's, it's exciting. I'm looking forward to... Uh, to sharing those. Yeah, we're having a, a lot of folks sort of reach out to us and talk to us about, you know, what's going on in their business. Um, last week, we had a great conversation uh, with Chris Nilsson from 10th Street um, Entertainment. You know, they ma- manage Motley Crue, for example. And we talked about the the roles and responsibilities that are evolving with artist managers. And, and this week, we had a couple of really interesting conversations as well. Um, the first one I want to tee up is with Geraldo Ramos uh, from a company called Moises. And, you know, there there are other companies out there that do similar things, you know, where they can take a song and break it up into stems. You know, we were talking about uh, Jessica Powell and the great work they're doing over at Audio Shake, for example. But one of the things that I think is really interesting about Moises is they have these voices now. So let's say you're creating a, a song, a demo, and you want it sung maybe in a female voice. They have these voices, these AI voices that you can use and they sound amazing. And before we get into the conversation with Geraldo, let's listen to what that voice sounds like. Here's, here's a little example. Here's my original voice. I'm stepping up to something I never thought would be. And here is Kate's voice. I'm stepping up to something I never thought would be. I know what I've been thinking in my dreams. It's you and me. Wow. That is incredible. (laughs) God, crazy. And it's it's a different world now. And... Can you imagine if you're going to, you know, shop a song to a certain songwriter? There, there are actually people who are doing that now and delivering the song in that person's voice. So it's a whole new world. But I wanted to let people know sort of what Moises is up to. So let's let's listen in on that conversation with Geraldo Ramos over at Moises. Geraldo, thanks so much for joining me today. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, Geraldo, how would you describe Moises to someone who maybe wasn't tech savvy? So I tend to focus more on the application of the technology we develop and how they can help musicians and producers of all levels, right? For example, when talking about source separation, which is the ability to separate mix tracks into stems. And by the way, most people don't understand how challenging it is to get a fully mixed track and extract stems with the accuracy we see today. It's like getting a fully blended banana smoothie and trying to remove the bananas from it. It's a very challenging task that has been evolving in the past few years. So I also emphasize all the ways that technology can help advance production, practice, and learning. I'm a drummer myself, not a professional by any means, but I play since young age. And playing along with tracks that already have the drums um, was not as fun. Uh, With voices, I can remove the drums of any song and create practice tracks, right? Producers can also create remixes of songs that they don't have access to the stems anymore. Over the years, we've seen a lot of use cases like this, including from Grammy-winning producers. Education is also a big one. With source separation alongside chord detection, beat detection, segmentation, we're helping teachers and students to be more effective. In fact, we have some major music schools like Berkeley using Moises as an AI partner for students and teachers. 
our mission as a company is to create technology that can empower people's creativity. It is so much fun to play with. Um, recently, Moise has announced um, the, this AI voice studio uh, with 11 voices. Uh, tell us about that. Sure. Um, we, we actually release uh, a lot of updates in the platform itself, not just Voice Studio, but definitely Voice Studio is the bigger one. Um, it took us over a year of development um, and seeing so many people already using it is very fulfilling. Um, as you said, we have 11 high quality models that we recorded with professional artists in different countries. Um, the range, um, we did the range from bass to mezzo-soprano, so we have a pretty good you know, variety of different voices in different ranges. Um, so the business model is, is that like we work with these artists and we record a package with their voice. Um, and for every sale of that package, they will get uh, 100% of the revenue from that package um, until it gets to 10,000. And after that, we get a 20% cut. Uh, basically, it's a new passive revenue stream we're creating for artists. Um, we're seeing a variety of use cases out there for the voice studio. For example, creating demos is a big one. Producers are using it to, to have the flexibility of singing themselves and then changing to a female voice or male voice if it's a female singer. Um, and that gives them you know, the ability to be very fast and creating demos and you know, new ideas. Um, we also release in private models where any artist can train their own model and share privately with trusted producers. We're seeing uh, a big demand for that as well, because as a singer, you can you know, have your voice modeled and then share it with your producer. He can come and, and do some ideas for you, and, and then you can evolve the creative process way faster this way. Um, so this is coming as part of Voice Studio. And beyond Voice Studio, we also release a new soul separation model, which is giving much better results. Um, it's, it's the latest generation of soul separation we've been working for several months. It's also the largest model we've ever trained, um, and the quality of separation is just incredible. Um, and, and to support the producers using it, we're also releasing a VST plugin that will be able to do the separation directly in the, you know, the DAW, um, and Voice Studio VST is also coming later. Awesome. Continued success, Geraldo. Um, we'll check back in with you. Great job. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's, I mean, this stuff is coming so fast. Like we were talking again before we hit record. Um, it's just the the tools that are there. And, and, you know, when you think, when you go backwards and think about when we started playing music, you know, it was a tape-based world. And then we moved to computer-based digital audio workstations. And now the AI components coming in. I mean, it's just remarkable. And again, these things are not expensive. And to have that, this these things in your toolbox is just remarkable. Yeah. Remarkable. Yeah, it really is. And uh, I had one other conversation that I wanted to share with our listeners this week um, uh, by one of my favorite people in this business, one of the brightest minds. And this is with, uh, with Matt Adele. Um, he's working with an, uh, a, a company called Psalms.ai. So it's S O M M S dot AI. And uh, they're doing some really cool work. Well, and this covers again, you know, how do you, when you talk about compensating, you know, whether it's, it's, it's a voice or, or components of a song, how do you do that? How do you know what's being used? Well, there's the answer right there. It's again, remarkable technology. Yeah. So Matt in this company he's working with Psalms.ai, um, it really kind of kicked off with like this no fakes act and the you know congressional copyright inquiry on AI 
There were ongoing concerns around copyright, legislation, royalties, and ethics. The music business is really trying to figure out all of this stuff really fast. And uh, Matt and his co-founder, Sean Power, they recently released the very first way to ensure attribution for original works, you know, from rights holders for AI, which enables music rights holders and artists to train on music they actually have the rights to, you know, and that it enables reporting and royalty splits and all sorts of things. Uh, They're working with music industry leaders like music distributor Symphonic, labels, artists, and music creation software companies who want to expand their catalogs while approaching generative AI ethically and transparently. It's a big topic and one that's causing a lot of concern, obviously for good reason, but uh, again, remarkable tools, and you can't have the other tools, the creative side of it, without a comp, you know, work figuring out how to make sure everyone is compensated. Because again, like whether it's chat GBT or anything, you know, th- again, these are pulling from sources of data or sources of, 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 of works that already exist. And, right. and that's something we talk about quite a bit here is if you're drawing from somebody's body of work, um, then that, that work you know, should, you know, that rights holder should be compensated. But Matt sort of digs into you know, what Psalms does and why this issue is so important. Let's listen in to uh, Matt Adele from Psalms. Matt, my friend, it's so good to see you today. How are you? I'm great. It's good to see you, buddy. So I was so excited to hear about your new venture. Um, tell us about Psalms.ai. Sure. Well, about a year ago, I joined an existing team of three people who've been working on this for a number of years. And I didn't think I would start, uh, would be part of another day one startup. I'm getting a little old for that. Uh, but when I met these guys, saw what they were capable of with the AI and understood that they are all musicians and had the same belief about where this technology should go, how it can be used in service of creativity uh, and how uh, the market can take advantage of this technology. I, I just had to jump in. So we are an enterprise solution for AI music uh, for uh, people who own, control, or create their own music. Uh, Our number one message to anyone who owns, controls, or creates their own music is that they should not license their music to anyone else's AI models. Uh, It's insecure. It's not clear how you'll be compensated into the future. It's largely unclear how your content would get pulled out of a system once your business relationship is over. So we offer all of these people from the biggest record labels to individual artists, the ability to create their own custom model and license access to that model instead of licensing the underlying content. It creates a great deal more security, revenue opportunity, and control for the people who really deserve to control their music. And finally, at the other end, what Psalms has literally invented, and it is patent pending, and no one else is demonstrating this right now, I can say with incredible certainty, is we have an attribution engine that allows for effectively uh, a songwriter performer split documentation to be created every time uh, a new piece of musical uh, 
uh, work is delivered out of the model. That is fantastic. We will be following this very closely. I would love to have you back on again. Um, but where can people learn more about Psalms? Well, it's psalms.ai. That's our actual our address. There's a manifesto uh, that I think will explain sort of our, our thesis on AI music. Uh, it's gotten a lot of legs. I've had a lot of people call me saying I read that manifesto and I wanted to reach out and talk about how to do business with you. Uh, because we are an enterprise solution, though, we don't build consumer-facing front ends. So Psalms.com is not a place you can go play with AI music. It's a place where you can learn about our services for enterprise. And uh, most of our customers today are distributors like Symphonic, which we've announced, building the world's first distributor-branded custom model for their users. Uh, And functional music companies, record labels, and publishers are sort of the big ticket enterprises that are coming to us today. So you just mentioned Psalms.com and Psalms.ai. Oh, sorry. Psalms.ai is our address. Um, I'll, I'll be watching and uh, and cheering you on from the sidelines. Thank you so much, buddy. We'll stay in touch. I'll talk to you soon. Wow. Great stuff. Really interesting. Yeah. Really interesting. Yeah. It's good to know that they can identify yes. this stuff. And I've been reading more and more about how technology, yes, it is at a you know light speed right now, but also ways to sort of track it and make sure somebody else isn't using your copyright. There's a lot of great tools out there like this. And, you know, there, there are ways that, you know, with companies like Psalms, for example, you know, that really protect uh, the rights holders and help them to, you know, promote what they have, the, the rights that they have. So kudos to, uh, Matt and Sean over at Psalms. Right. And by the way, the No Fakes Act has a really long, <laughs> kind of a longer name, which is the draft legislation. The draft legislation is the Nurture Originals Foster Art and Keep Entertainment Safe Act, or for short, the No Fakes Act. <laughs> it just so, rolls uh, off the tongue. It just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? How can you not know that? So, yeah. uh, but again, you know, and, and you know, I think we've learned over the years, oftentimes the technology gets ahead of a lot of this stuff, but it's really coming at this point very close behind. So good yeah. news that that's kind of happening like this. Yeah. And before we jump into our sponsor, our sponsors, before we jump into our stories, let's thank our sponsors. There you go. Exactly. We do want to thank our good friends over at Banzoogle. Your Morning Coffee podcast is brought to you by our friends at Banzoogle, built by musicians for musicians. Banzoogle is an all-in-one platform that makes it easy to build a beautiful website and EPK for your music. All the features you need for a professional website are already built in. Hosting in a custom domain name, dozens of fully customizable design templates, tools to sell your music and merch commission-free, commission-free crowd funding and fan subscription features, mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send newsletters, social media integrations, and live support from their musician-friendly team seven days a week. Your Morning Coffee podcast listeners can go over to bandzoogle.com and try it for free for 30 days. Just use the promo code MORNINGCOFFEE, all one word, to get 15% off the first year of any subscription. That's bandzoogle.com. Uh, promo code morning coffee. Yes, sir. And we're also brought to you by Hypebot. Since 2004, Hypebot has chronicled the new music industry and the trends and technologies that are changing how music is discovered, 
consumed, marketed, and monetized. It's edited daily by founder Bruce Houghton. Thank you, Bruce. Uh, with help from Alana Bonilla, Hypebot and sister blog Music Think Tank are published by live music discovery and marketing platform Bands in Town. Indeed, Bands in Town, it is on the first page on my iPhone. It is over 80 million live music fans trust Bands in Town to get personalized concert alerts, recommendations, and messages from their favorite artists. It's the number one artist service platform connecting over 590,000 artists with their super fans. Managers, labels, agencies, and artists access their own dashboard to manage and promote their tour dates across all platforms. Yeah, I'd also like to give a, a shout out to the Music Business Association. Uh, they host an annual slate of in-person and virtual events. So, you know, industry professionals across the globe can come together to discuss uh, hot button issues and support the growth of the entire music business community. So join us uh, for the Music Biz Conference, and that'll be May 13th through the 16th at the JW Marriott in Nashville. Looking forward to it. Indeed. Big thanks to Banzoogle, Hypebot, Bands in Town, and the Music Business Association. And every week, yes, every week, I get to hang out with my good friend Jay Gilbert. He's not just a flashy dresser. He's not a dance machine. He is a music industry consultant, curator of the weekly Your Morning Coffee newsletter, and a former executive with Universal Music, Sony Music, and the Warner Music Groups. Thank you, sir. And uh, every week... I get to do this show with Mike Etchart, a longtime host of Sound and Vision Radio, formerly of SST Records, Warner Music, Capital EMI, and Universal Music Group. Oh, yeah. What do you say we jump into the stories, Let's Jay? Do it. Because we got some goodies. The first one is from Music Business Worldwide TikTok. Strikes partnership with Spotify, Apple Music, and Amazon Music to link app directly to music streaming services. Whoa. Yeah. That's some big news. Lots of talk uh, about this uh, this this past week. Um, and that was, you know, an announcement from TikTok. They, they talked to this add to music app. And it's a feature that's launching, quote, in partnership with the major music streaming services, you know, like you just mentioned, Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Music, and this music business worldwide piece confirmed that this feature is also, uh, you know, not only available for those DSPs, but uh, it's it's one of these things that's going to roll out in the U.S. and the U.K. with other markets to follow. Right. This is by Murray Stassen, by the way. Uh, TikTok global head of music business development, Ula Oberman, said Tuesday that the new cross-platform music-saving feature creates a direct link between discovery on TikTok and consumption on a music streaming service. Ooh, that's wow. a big deal. You know, he added that it makes it easier than ever for music fans to enjoy full-length songs on the music streaming service of their choice, thereby generating even greater value for artists and rights holders. And, you know, TikTok is owned by ByteDance, you know, and that integration with music streaming services that are not owned by ByteDance, that's a notable development uh, for this company, which now operates its own premium streaming service in multiple markets that we've talked about. That's right. So that service, TikTok Music, became available to the public in Australia and Mexico, although in Mexico it's without Universal's catalog, uh, last month following the service's initial launch, which was in Brazil and Indonesia back in July. So that's really interesting that they've got on one hand perhaps these services being brought out in more territories and yet doing these deals certainly here 
with the major music companies. Yeah. This TikTok music app includes what the company says is a wide range of social music streaming features, right? That And these things connect the music streaming app with the main TikTok short form video app. You know, amongst those features are the ability to sync with TikTok, which lets you sync your TikTok and TikTok music accounts. And it also lets you play TikTok hits by streaming the full version of viral TikTok songs. There's also a music discovery with TikTok feature, which TikTok says lets you record your music discovery journey in TikTok and explore the songs in TikTok music. Interesting. Meanwhile, for users of the main TikTok app, that's in the US and the UK, uh, where TikTok music is not available yet, the new add to music app, what we're talking about here, uh, that feature can now be used as a direct link to other streaming services, including Spotify, Apple Music, and Amazon Music. So the new tool will now appear as a button that says add song next to a track name at the bottom of TikTok video in the For You feed. The first time a user presses the add song button, they can choose to save it to their preferred music streaming service. The track will then be saved to a default playlist in a user's chosen music streaming service installed on their device. But users can also choose to add the track to a new playlist or an existing playlist that they have created. I think this is great news. Um, there are so many people on TikTok, and it's such yeah. a great discovery uh, platform for music. And to bring those barriers down, because you, you, you don't think it's much of a barrier to simply, oh, I'm listening to this thing. I'm going to go check my favorite DSP and see if it's available. But that it takes you out of what you're doing. And it's another step. And every click is less people that will do it. And this makes it so easy. It's just right there in front of you. You're listening to something. You're connecting with it. Yeah, I want, I want to have the full-length thing. I want to save this to my playlist, my personal library. Click, and you got it. I think it's really smart. Yeah, yeah good news. Really good news. Um, but it will be interesting to see as they roll out TikTok music to different territories, what clashes might exist i suppose so but for today good news good news very cool let's go to our second story jay this is from billboard spotify plans to charge for fraud how it works and who it affects the most so another very interesting idea and story yeah a lot of people talking about this and this is one of several articles this week written by elias light um holy cow uh, Elias, you've been writing some really great pieces uh, lately, and there was just a, a lot that dropped this last week. So, um, yeah, they're going to charge for fraud. Well, what does that mean? Under Spotify's new royalties model, th- uh, they'll financially penalize labels or distributors when it finds more than 90% of streams on a song are fraudulent, charging 10 euros in this case per offending track according to several music distribution executives. Wow, that's, that's uh, interesting. The ser- yeah, the service's current remedies will also remain in effect, removing fake streams from the system so they don't impact payouts or charts, pulling the track off editorial playlists, and possibly striking them from the platform altogether. The fees racked up by labels or distributors will be charged against future royalties. Ooh, 
You know, so like the rest of Spotify's new model, which also affects how the lowest streaming acts and non-music noise tracks earn royalties, we talked about that last week, the new fraud rule will impact music's steadily growing long tail of tracks that don't get played much. In this case, it's simple math. Big artists trying to boost their numbers are unlikely to hit that 90% threshold for fraudulent streams since they already have an established audience that will listen to them. Any act with a fair number of legitimate streams would need a huge amount of fraud to trigger a penalty. And this means companies that have built hands-off, high-volume distribution businesses with small margins, charging a small fee per upload, the three biggest are DistroKid, TuneCore, and CD Baby, likely have the most to lose under the new rules. They have huge batches of new music uploading daily, and that means it's hard to know who is doing the uploading. Yeah, even so, uh, TuneCore welcomed this news. And the quote was, in order to effectively prevent bad actors from diluting the royalty pool for real artists with real fans, all companies need to be a part of the solution. And that was uh, Andrea Gleason, the company's CEO. She also said that uh, we also have been engaged in a deep dialogue with all of our DSP partners, including Spotify, to actively deploy anti-fraud measures that encourage content providers to make the proper investments to actually fight fraud. We're fully aligned with the measures that Spotify is implementing. Um, By the way, TuneCore's parent company, Believe, um, has a history of publicly supporting Spotify initiatives, including Discovery Mode, which is unanimously opposed by the major labels. Just wanted to make sure you... Right. Uh, She says it's a positive incremental step to take, but it's incremental. You could see a service doing something much more drastic, adds another senior executive. It sends a good signal to the marketplace about intentions. Yeah. You know, there's actually little public data on the prevalence of fraud and where it tends to occur. The most comprehensive study that's widely available was carried out recently by the Center National uh, de la Musique, um, a French uh, government organization. You and I covered that, you know, which found that more than 80% of the fraud detected by Deezer and Spotify in France in 2021 was at the long tail level. Right. These acts are unlikely to be associated with a major record company as the big labels focus, of course, primarily on the top releases. Odds are that many of the tracks involved in the fraud are there purely for that purpose. A bad actor uploads white noise or junk audio expressly to pump up plays with bots and attempt to extract royalties from the streaming ecosystem. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Um, I think that it's, it's a good step. In, in managing this, we've read that uh, anywhere between you know, 10% of streams, maybe even higher, um, are believed to be fraudulent. And according to this piece and many others that we've been reading, it's really that those DIY and indie type artists and not a lot of the uh, more popular, you know, the Taylor Swifts of the world or the Drakes from the world because uh, they don't really need it, uh, number one. And number two, the risk is is pretty high there. But it's it's super fascinating for me that they're finally taking steps to curb fraudulent streams. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that they're actually going to uh, levy a penalty uh, is super interesting. Um, but I, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. I, I have these conversations sometimes about fraud in streaming. And one of the reasons why people are 
trying to get those numbers up is it can affect their livelihood. For example, they yeah. may not get into a festival because their streaming numbers aren't high enough or their social footprint isn't uh, large enough. And I wonder, you know, do we really need that number, that vanity number um, on Spotify that says you've got X amount of streams? As you'll notice, you look at most DSPs, they don't have a number like that. It's really not necessary. Yeah, well, but this is this concept of pumping up your numbers goes back to the very beginning of the music business. And, you know, we continue to see it in new and different ways, but it's still kind of the same concept. It's, it's, it can be as, as simple as bragging rights, or like you said, it can be as, as important as getting, you know, gigs or, you know, having that affect your livelihood. Um, but the, this article kind of ends, it says the biggest takeaway from Spotify's new policy may be that it demonstrates how much the conversation around fraud had shifted in, in less than a year. And in 2022, no one would talk about it. In 2023, everyone is suddenly eager to tackle the problem and to, the broad, and to broadcast their efforts in a public manner. So yeah. it, we really have seen that shift in, in just about a year. That's fast. And that's fast. Yeah. That is really fast. So... Yeah. Again, we will continue to to monitor this and have conversations about it. But it is uh, it's 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 super important, and it is interesting to see how quickly things have shifted yeah, in this the, landscape. The times they are a changing. The times they are a changing. How about the last story, Jay, from Variety? Uh, YouTube to require creators to flag AI generated content. We'll add new ways to request request removal of deep fakes, including music videos that mimic an artist's voice. Yeah. So, well, yikes! Again, you know, technology and fraudulent activity, kind of, and new laws and rules, kind of coming to head here. Yeah, it's super important, and we knew this was coming. You know, when we when we see these AI songs that are drawing off someone's body of work and creating a new work. And some of them are getting really good. Um, but now we have ways to identify these things. And now, according to Todd Spangler, who wrote this piece for Variety, you know, YouTube is stepping in and, and I'll just kick it off with, you know, he writes that YouTube wants to let creators tap into the power of artificial intelligence, but it's also putting in place new policies requiring creators to indicate when they've uploaded AI-generated content. And, you know, YouTube will also adopt new ways to request that content is, quote, it simulates an in, indefiable individual, that's easy for you to say, or mimics an artist's unique singing or rapping voice. Any of those will get pulled down. Yeah, within the next few months, YouTube said it will introduce updates that inform viewers when the content they're seeing is synthetic. As part of that, the video platform will require creators to disclose when they've created, altered, or synthetic content that is realistic, including AI tools. Yeah, this is really important. And it sounds like, you know, a futuristic movie, you know, some of the terms that they're using and some of the things in this thing is, it's just, it's really crazy. So YouTubers who, you know, flout the new rules will face repercussions. Creators who consistently choose not to disclose this information 
may be subject to content removal, suspension, you know, from YouTube partner program, that's their ad uh, ad revenue sharing program, or other penalties. And that's according to Jennifer Flannery O'Connor and Emily Moxley, uh, VPs of product management at YouTube. And they wrote that in this blog this, this past week. So YouTube will label AI-generated content in two areas. In the, in the description panel, indicating that some of the content is altered or synthetic, and more prominently in the video player for certain types of content about sensitive topics. The YouTube execs noted that warning labels for AI-generated content are especially important in cases where the content discusses sensitive topics, such as elections, ongoing conflicts, and public health crisis, or public officials. In addition, YouTube said it will make it possible for users to request the removal of AI-generated or other synthetic or altered content that simulates an identifiable person including their face or voice, using YouTube's privacy request process. Not all content will be removed from YouTube, uh, and we'll, re- we'll consider a variety of factors when evaluating these requests. So it's, it's nice that they have a process in place, so not only can their sort of content ID find things, but if you or I are seeing some you know AI-generated things that aren't designated as AI-generated or synthetic there's a process for us to have it taken down as well. Right. It says for music partners, YouTube will add the ability to request the removal of AI generated music content that mimics an artist's unique singing or rapping voice. Uh, They wrote uh, that will be available to music labels and distributors and distributors who rep artists participating in YouTube's uh, early AI music experiments and determining whether to grant a removal request, YouTube will consider such factors as whether content is the subject of news reporting, analysis, or critique of the synthetic vocals, according to the execs. Well, well, well. As they said, we're in the early stages of our work and we'll continue to evolve our approach as we learn more. So this is interesting and this is really Big stuff. And again, you know, it's kind of trying to get a handle on this relatively yeah. early in the game. Yeah. And I applaud that. It's hard. I mean, it's really, it's delicate work in some ways because yeah. it's going to be, there's a lot of competing sides of this, but boy, it's there. It, it's interesting to have what they're handling it now. So I, I applaud that. I do too. And this, this technology has been changing while we've been having this conversation. So it's really new. It's really coming in fast. And the fact that they're addressing concerns quickly. And one of the things we talked to Will Page about, and I can't wait for our audience to hear this uh, conversation, is you know the fact that there are rules in place for some of this. Some of it there aren't. But as an industry, we're not trying to kill it like maybe we were with the MP3 right? Mm-hmm. We're actually embracing it, whether it's Universal's partnership with Endel, whatever it is, it seems like the music industry now wants to get on top of this and in front of it. And this piece uh, in Variety sort of uh, illustrates that. So um, great job by uh, Todd Spangler over at Variety. Yeah. Well, and as, as Will said, and when we talked to him, you know, a lot of the importance of talking about these big numbers that, that music is generating inform and get the attention of policymakers and that it has this trickle down effect and so all of these things we're talking about in terms of rules and regulations and things that are going to be happening now 
are a direct result sometimes of policymakers getting the attention or, or recognizing how important it is because the music industry is such a giant business now. So it's, it's, it's all sort of very symbiotic in the way things work. And it's fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. We are at a remarkable time in the history of the music business. Absolutely. So on, on that note, we're going to wrap up episode 171. We want to thank everyone for listening. I tell you, Jay and I certainly appreciate it. We do not take it for granted. And if you do enjoy the show, please tell just one friend. We certainly would appreciate that as well. And big thanks to Banzugo, Hypebot, Bands in Town, and the Music Business Association. Oh my goodness, we are so appreciative of their participation and help us put the show together. So on that note, folks, thanks for listening in. Uh, if you are in the States and celebrating Thanksgiving, have a great week and we'll be back next week actually on the Your Morning Coffee podcast. You've been listening to Your Morning Coffee, the weekly music news program for the new music business. Join Jay Gilbert and Mike Etchard next time for the digital music news you need to know.